Today I'm going to start a new sermon series, and it's called Christmassy Words. Have you, have you noticed that during Christmas time, a bunch of words start standing out, you know, in decor and like shops and everything. All of a sudden, there's all these words that appear, um, and uh, some of them carry very deep, significant meaning. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is not one of them. Uh, <laughs> I won't be talking about Rudolph, but we're going to take some time to work through some of these words just to make sure that we don't miss the significance and the encouragement, the truth, the blessing that comes with these words uh, during this season. So today's message is about joy. We'll start with joy, and I'm calling the sermon Unstoppable Joy. Unstoppable Joy. Here's some familiar phrases that we are used to, you know, Um, because this is the season to be jolly, right? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. We sang that one today. Let earth receive her king. And then this verse, this, this line just hit me last night. Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. Oh, come all you faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Tidings of comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. That's a, that's all, these are all from songs that we you know, hear over the radio in the next season. And sometimes we just don't even you know, bat an eye to what, they, what the, 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 the deep you know, pockets of truth and, and, and significance that they carry with them. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the sky. It's amazing how joy in these songs are often connected to victory, to triumph, to overcoming. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. With all our hearts we praise his holy name. Let every heart prepare him room. With all our hearts we praise his holy name. Let's talk about joy today. What is joy? The Bible describes joy as being not an emotion, but rather being a strength. You know the very familiar verse that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But the real Hebrew verse word being used in that verse in Nehemiah 8 verse 10 that describes that the joy of the Lord is my strength is not strength as an internal capacity. Rather, it is strength as an external environment. Rather, a external protective environment that we would describe better to say a stronghold. In fact, in my language, this verse is translated as, the joy of the Lord is my stronghold. It's my stronghold. Have you heard of that other verse in the Bible that says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into the, to, to it and they are safe? If you think of joy in the future, I want you to think not of an emotion or of an internal capacity that I have to produce or I have to come up with, but rather a fortress, an environment of safety that I can choose to live in, choose to run into and find strength, find safety for whatever need I might have. doesn't matter how crazy things might be outside me. Inside this fortress of joy, inside this stronghold that God has provided for me to live inside, 
I can be safe no matter how nuts things are going outside there. And in this is an invitation to each and every one of us today to come back to God's stronghold, to step back into the safe zone that he has provided for each and every one of us that is called joy, unstoppable joy. Um, so, so much of the stories of scripture is about broken, deeply flawed people that amidst the greatest of odds managed to overcome those odds by drawing close to God and by acting on what he had given them to do or told him to do. Sometimes they had to do crazy things to get there, but when they did do those crazy things, great victories, great breakthroughs were wrought through their efforts. And that promise is an amazing encouragement to each and every one of us who are deeply broken, flawed people. You know, it's one of the reasons why we can trust the Bible because it doesn't portray every person that followed God throughout the ages as being these perfect individuals that never did anything wrong. In fact, it actually points out their flaws and points out their brokenness um, to, the, to, the, to the finest details. Like it doesn't hide anything about these people. And for, for some that might feel like, oh my goodness, you know, um, you know, these people that are supposed to follow God, you know, uh, are such, you know, retrobate. But doesn't that actually provide you and me with hope to know that even when we are broken and even when we struggle to be quote unquote perfect, God still makes effort with us. God still doesn't reject us and cast us away. He actually calls us to say, come unto me because in me you will find the healing, the health, the recovery that you will need to walk through this life. Paul was such a man. Paul was deeply flawed. How many of you would think of Paul and think of a deeply flawed man? Not because we don't, because we read the New Testament and all the things that he wrote, and sometimes we just, we just think of Paul after his conversion. But when we read properly about Paul, we realize that he was very, very flawed in his religious pursuit before he met Jesus. Very, very flawed. He had complete wrong perceptions of what the Messiah, what the Jewish promises of a Messiah meant and how to go about getting that. Despite Paul's brokenness and his flawed attempts to please God, Jesus still met him, transformed him, and changed. And even after that, you see Paul still wrestling with things. Paul was a revered leader in his environment. He had everything going for him. He was very successful. He was very powerful. At his command, people would die and people would live. People would be tortured. People would be let go. But when Paul met Jesus, what happened? He lost all that privilege. Paul lost all his power. He lost all his status. In fact, he became the most wanted of all. What's so extraordinary about Paul is the fact that even 
though things around him fell apart when he met Jesus. <laughs> this is kind of counter, you know, thought of like, okay, he met Jesus and then everything fell apart. He was able to walk with joy. In, in, in first, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4, he writes this, I am overflowing with joy in all my affliction. I'm overflowing with joy in all my affliction. How did he manage to overflow with joy while having to endure physical attacks on his life, physical assault, imprisonment, character attacks, being threatened of torture and assassination? And then all the while, he had internal weaknesses that, the, that he writes about in Scripture saying, I'm a wretched man. I try to do what I know to do, but then I just can't manage to do it. Thank God for the grace of Jesus. He was internally flawed even after he became righteous in God's eyes. He wrestled through things. Not only did he wrestle with his own internal weaknesses, he wrestled with anxiety and depression because of what was going on in the church. And he would write to the church and he would appeal and he would command and he would encourage and he would try his best to get people to see the truth of scripture, of Jesus, of God, the intention that God wants for them. And just to help people grab a hold of Christ and not let go. And then when it looked like people were, were starting to follow other voices that weren't the, the truth of the gospel, he would be conflicted by that. And he would, have, he would be anxious and he would write letters and you can read the tone in some of his letters. Some are frustration, some are like anger. When in one part, when he speaks to a, a group of people that have been teaching a wrong doctrine about how to gain salvation, he says, I wish that they would hurt themselves. It's, it's, it's a bit of a PG comment, so I can't go into all the details of it, but he, you know, you wouldn't think that St. Paul would say a thing like that. Paul was still a man, like you and I. So how did he manage to overflow with joy despite all of the nasty that he was going through? I believe the answer is real simple. It's not complex. It might not be as easy as we want it to be, but there is a simplicity to the gospel and to the commands of, of, of God that if we would grab it and work it into our lives, it will produce God's result in our lives. The answer is this. He knew where to find his joy. He lived in this reality that joy is a stronghold that I can choose to live in. Because I am saved, because I'm led, and because I'm loved. Paul knew that he was saved. He knew that he had a Lord that was leading him no matter where he would go. And he knew that he was deeply, deeply, deeply loved. He writes of this in Ephesians to the, to the, to the Christians in, in Ephesus. I wish that you would you know, get, a, get an understanding. He talks about a revelation of how much God loves you. He says that you would understand how deep, how wide, and how high this love stretches for you. That you would understand the hope to which you had, been, you had been called. The power of God that's been made available to everyone who has believed. He's, I mean, you can hear him just being so passionate to wanting people to understand how much they are loved, how much they are led if they have been saved. 
Jesus said in John 22 to his disciples, after he has just been speaking about how he's going to die and how you know, they, he will be separated from them for a while, he said this, after hearing this, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. How many of you have felt before that I've lost my joy? Okay. Jesus gave us a promise that that need not be so. That need not be so. So he's speaking to his disciples for the future, but the same words means the same thing for us looking to the past. You and I can live in unstoppable joy because of what Jesus did. So I have good news for you today. If you feel like you've lost your joy with Jesus, you can have unstoppable joy. If you feel like you've never really even had the kind of joy that I'm talking about, I've got good news for you too. Because with Jesus, you will have unstoppable joy. The trick here is to find the place where joy is given and to not replace that with anything else. You see, we as humans are so quick to replace true joy with temporary pleasures. There's lots of things in life that promise us pleasure. And there is a massive difference between pleasure and joy. Sometimes pleasure is sin. Sometimes pleasure isn't even sin. But the minute it replaces joy, all of a sudden you have made yourself vulnerable. Why? Because you've left the fortress. The trick is to not replace joy with pleasures that are based on material things or circumstances. This is easy to do sometimes because we as Christians are taught that we need to trust God for his kingdom to come into our lives. We are taught that there are promises that we should be seeing happen in our lives and told to use our faith to create these spaces where things from heaven can materialize and become reality on earth for us. We are told that God's promises are yes for us if we will add our agreement to them and start trusting God for it. So it's so easy sometimes when those things delay to start focusing so much on them that they become the object and the expectation of our joy. And until that thing breaks through for me, I feel like I cannot have joy. Maybe you're trusting God for a child or a husband or a wife, maybe a healing or a job or there's a problem at work or in your marriage. It's so easy to make the answer to that prayer the basis for your joy. But that's exactly the moment when you actually replace joy for one of God's pleasures. Not to even talk about the pleasures of sin. You will find pleasure in a child. You will find pleasure in a husband, a new job, breakthrough in your finances, breakthrough in your marriage, in the relationship. But don't base your joy on that because it'll let you down and quite possibly could even become an idol that you worship instead of God. This is so important to understand. 
And then we hold God ransom with that prayer request. How many of you have held God ransom before? I've done that often. (laughs) If you felt that you've lost your joy, you once had joy, and now you find yourself having lost your joy, here's what happened. Unknowingly, somewhere, you replaced some kind of pleasure. You replaced it with some kind of pleasure. And then those pleasures were taken away, or they didn't work out, and now you feel you can't have joy until that situation is rectified. If you based your joy on anything other than what is eternal, what is stable, what is steadfast and solid, your joy can be lost in an instant. And if you feel like, man, I've tried to get my joy back and I just can't get back into that place with God that I once was, It's because you replaced your joy with something else. And that something else now has taken away and you can't seem to get that something back and so your joy is not coming back. But the promise of God and the promise of Jesus and the promise of of the gospel is that we can have unstoppable joy even when our pleasures are removed. Think of Paul, stature, power, wealth, all taken away in an instant, yet remained in full joy, unstoppable joy, regardless of any of those things. If you can't seem to find your joy again, it's because you're not looking in the right place. Where can we find our joy and where can we get and how can we get our joy back? I believe Psalm 51 has the answer. Verse 12 says the following. It's a prayer of David. You see, David found himself replacing the joy of the Lord with the temporary pleasure of an adulterous relationship. David first replaced his joy with the pleasure of not having to go to war. He became comfortable in his position. And he stopped, stopped fulfilling his responsibility of going out in the season when kings met each other for battle. He stayed at home and relaxed and just sent out his army. Y'all go take care of this. He was slacking in his discipline. He was slacking in his purpose. And that led to a downward spiral. You see, when you start making decisions based on pleasure, it very quickly can spiral into sin, and then into just downright destruction. Think of David. He settles for a pleasure, and then that pleasure leads him into trouble. And to try and get out of that trouble, he settles for another pleasure using his power. So he kills the man that would lead him into trouble. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. He was going to get away with it. Until God sent a prophet and he confronted him. And David in that moment knew exactly what happened and what he needed to do. He needed to repent of replacing the joy of the Lord. The satisfaction of being with God. The deep sense of settledness. Of living in what God has called me to live in. With a pleasure. And then that pleasure led to the death of that child that was born. 
So David prays this prayer. Lord, create in me a new heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. And restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David knew exactly where he needed to go to be restored in his joy. And that was found in, his, in the salvation of the Lord. So what David knew so many years ago, we today now know and have access to. You and I have access to satisfying, deep, deep satisfying joy if we know and understand what joy is, how to find it. That it's not an emotion. It's not a pleasure. It's not based on circumstances. It is based in my relationship with God. It is based on the salvation that God had granted me. You know, joy is a stronghold that can help you face every kind of difficulty, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, or whether it's spiritual. Joy does not have to change. Joy does not have to go. You can have challenges in your physical world and be filled and full and surrounded in joy. You can have challenges in your mental condition and still be filled and surrounded in joy. Because joy is not based on my mental well-being. It is based on my salvation. It is based on the position that I find myself in. I am in Christ. And because I am in Christ, whatever is going on around me, number one, is temporary. Number two, cannot destroy me. I will get through it. Even if it's a spiritual attack, it's temporary because Christ had already overcome that. But the trick of the enemy is to steal our joy. And then it renders us vulnerable. And now the circumstances, oh boy, now they have a field day on us. Now we respond to our circumstances instead of responding to the truth. Why? Because I now all of a sudden need to find my solution. I need to find my, uh, 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 my, my the end of my problem is my circumstances has to change. And so I start pursuing change for my circumstances. And the longer it delays, the more my hope is deferred and the sicker my heart gets. No, guys, we cannot pursue our joy through pursuing change of circumstance. Joy is something we only find in our relationship with God. We only find it in the stability, the deep satisfaction of knowing I am saved I am led, I am loved. Who here remembers the joy of God's salvation? That moment you were first saved. Who remember the day that they were first saved? Where's that mic? Let me, let me grab this mic real quick. Okay, now I've got a mic so you know what's coming. So, so now let me, let me ask. One, two. Who here remembers their salvation day? Okay, all right. You want the? <laughs> I'm just missing with what he wasn't gonna. So, just give us a quick second. Just where did you get saved and how did you get saved? Um, I got saved on 
June of 2017 on a beach in what was it, Lake Charles? Lake Arthur. Lake Arthur with a group of women. Wow. And it was like this awesome spiritual atmosphere. Yes. It was like something I've never experienced before. The ever. joy of your salvation. Yes. It was wonderful. Hang on to that. Chris, just just come closer. Yeah. You put your hand up. I know you, you're not afraid to talk. When did you get saved? I was 10 years old. And uh, all, all I remember was I was praying and I really realized somebody knew me. You know, that God knew me, right? And so I was so excited to be seen, you know, that, yeah. that God knew me and they loved me no matter what I had done. You, know? wow. so, you were just alone in your room? No, I was at church. At church, okay. I was in the front row of church. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thanks. Come on, y'all. Who, who remembered their salvation day? Miss Cindy, give us, give us the day that you first realized, man, I was saved. Well, it was about 15 years ago. I thought I had been saved before. I was in the parking lot at the doctor's office talking to God. I gave him everything that day. Mm. When I realized that I had stayed in that parking lot for hours, <laughs> felt like minutes, but I gave him everything and I asked him to walk with me the rest of the way of my life. And I never looked back and I never picked up one of the things that I gave that day. Mm. Wow. And that was a true salvation. Man, that's awesome. Come on, y'all. I need a couple of more salvation stories. Miss Keisha, come stand closer so I can put this mic close to you. Good morning, everyone. The Lord, I, I wasn't saved for the first time on this day, but I recommitted my life back yeah. to him on April 3rd, 2003. And I was in my parents' home watching... Uh, a program that was on TBN dedicated to him. And after watching that program, I put my hands in the air and mm. received the fire of the Lord upon mm. me. And after I did, I went walking down the hallway of, of the house and I heard, I heard the voice in my head tell me, you are my encourager. Mm. Wow. Come on. You know, it's been little things. Yeah. And, and a few big things, but li mostly little things. He's been faithful in showing me that, yes, if I call upon him mm. and ask him to remind me of being an encourager he has and he recently did that two weeks ago here wow wow come on anybody else wants to share a story miss rachel talk to us well i was uh, a believer since i was a little bitty child and that was a long time ago y'all i'm serious now but <laughs> when when i was when i called what i was saved was when i realized who the who was in my life. And I always had these questions like, well, who made that possible? Who did that? Wow, who did that? Really? It's God. It's Jesus. And since then, I've, been, I've seen a vision of him. I've seen the hand of God in a church. Uh, 
and I verified it. I mean, I looked, I saw things that I had never seen before, but other people have, so I know it's, it has to be true. And when you remember these things, like doesn't, doesn't it like warm your heart and just like, oh Lord. Who else remembers the joy of their salvation? All right, Gabe, when were you saved? I was, I was saved when I was, uh, I was eight. And I think, same thing like Chris, I was uh, in the beginning, I was in the front of the church and just, we were singing, we were singing How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. And it's, it's so cool that even now, like, when I still hear that song, the joy I get hit with of how amazing he is and how, how he hasn't changed. I mean, I've changed physically and, and maturity-wise, and hopefully that maturity went up, but like, just like, he hasn't changed. He's just been so loving and so consistent and always so so hopeful. Like, he always viewed me in a, in a way that no matter if I'm in low or really high, he's like, you're still, you still have the most potential. Like, and so it's just been, that's the, that's the stronghold for me. It's like, that's the joy of it. Is he's, he's always right there and he hasn't, on the days where I feel like I can't feel him at all, he's just chilling. Like, it's okay, I'm here. It's there. Don't worry about it. So. The joy of our salvation. If you don't have a moment like that where you knew for a fact that you were saved, it's okay. It doesn't have to be a moment. It can be just... It can be just a, a realization. It can be just a, yes, I am saved. I have committed my life to Christ. And that's why we, that's why we save the dates on baptism day. Because so often people don't really know when they became Christians. They just kind of grew into it and somewhere they were like, yes, this is what I am. But not really having a concrete understanding of when that happened. It's okay. The importance is that it happened. But that joy that comes with knowing I am saved, I am led, and I am loved is a strong fortress that covers me even in the darkest, darkest moments. Let me say this to y'all just as, as a point of just vulnerability. There was a big season in ministry for me where I did not serve God out of the joy of my salvation. Because I was trusting Him for things and had made those things idols. It happened so quick. And my joy was, was, was at a very low place because those things did not materialize as I'd wished they would. I've made this mistake myself plenty of times over. Here's what I do know is the minute when I recognized it and I, and I, and I switched back to, why am I doing this? That's why I get undone when I'm in worship. Because for, for me, even this morning as I drove into the parking terrain, I was like, Lord, today I just want to come and worship you. I'm not even worried about what happens. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I, just, I just wanted to be here today to worship Him. I just wanted to enjoy 
my salvation, knowing that I am saved, I am led, and I am loved. And I don't have to produce, I don't have to perform, I don't have to please anybody. I can just please Him and it's enough. And that, y'all, is freeing. (laughs) You know when you stress the most? It's when when you don't know how to lay your burdens down at Jesus' feet. And sometimes you don't even know what burden it is that you're carrying, but it is tormenting you mentally. Your job is not to fix you. Your job is just to figure out what have you not laid down. What are you still carrying? What are you still, what is, what, where is that weight coming from that's, 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 that's on you? Because if God did not put that weight on you, you ought not to be carrying that weight. But see, we have so many things that we sometimes feel like it's our responsibility. The salvation of my child, the salvation of my coworker, the salvation of my dad, the salvation of this, that, that, the next thing. I need to provide financially for this person, for that person. And all that weight just wears us down. I can't look after this because I need to look after that. And somewhere there, there's something that is a weight that you should not be carrying and it's tormenting you and it's driving you mad. Fear not. Your job is not to fix that. Your job is just to figure out what should I lay down. But you know, sometimes we know what we need to lay down and we don't want to lay it down because we want that outcome. I want to be 50 pounds lighter. And until the Lord gives me that, I'm not going to have joy. You're right. You're not going to have joy. And you're going to be tormented by that every single day of your life. And it doesn't matter how many times Jesus tells you you're enough. And I love you. I saved you. You are led. It won't matter. Because you haven't laid that down yet. Sometimes we want the outcome more than we want the joy. But God is saying, come, come lay down all your burdens. Lay it down. Come and be undone in my presence. You don't have to uphold you with me. Come break with me. Just come and be undone. I know how to put broken things back together. some of us that's the simplicity of joy it's finding it back in our relationship with God and not misplacing it for something that we think will give us and bring us pleasure but for some of us here we've never found that true settling satisfaction of being reconnected with God let me help you understand how to do that today You see, God created us joyfully. The Bible talks about how much He delights in us. He delights in us, y'all. And we shared this delight in walking with God. We shared this joy with Him until we lost it by replacing it with a pleasure 
of something that we thought we needed more than just connection with Him. That's the story of Adam and Eve. They replaced the joy of being connected with God for the pleasure of a promise by eating a fruit. And then they lost that connection. And we, because we disobeyed God, and since our God is holy, our sin have also brought separation between us and God. And so we cannot experience this deep, settling, satisfying joy that comes from knowing that God knows me, leads me, and loves me. And so we all have this deep dissatisfaction in our soul. It's in all of mankind. Everyone's trying to fill that hole with different ways. Some do it through religion. And we tell you Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with a radical purpose. But some try and do it with systems of do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs. Some try to fill that hole with religion. Some do it through rebellion. Just pursuing everything else. Some do it through virtue, trying to be good. Some do it through knowledge, intellectualness, trying to figure out things more. But here's the problem. Our separation, it's not a performance deficit. It's not a lack of intellect. <laughs> it's not a lack of finding ourselves. Any of these, none of these efforts cannot bring us the inner satisfaction we seek and so true joy eludes us our separation is a moral separation God is holy and we are no longer holy God is only good and we are not all good God is just and we are simply not and the justice of God demands a punishment for sin you wouldn't appreciate if somebody sins against you and justice doesn't prevail. If somebody takes something from you and they just get overseen by the court. God's justice demands re recompense. It demands a punishment for our sin. But God's love does not want us to suffer the permanent consequences of our sin. And so the divine solution to this is Jesus. How does God satisfy His justice and His love for us? Jesus came to live the life we should have lived and then He suffered the consequence of our sin by dying in our place on the cross and being condemned to hell. And because Jesus wasn't guilty of any sin, death could not hold Him. He was resurrected, confirmed alive by many witnesses, believers and unbelievers. And now he offers this amazing reconnection with God, spiritually through granting us a new status. He grants us the status of moral holiness. And because he grants us that status, now all of a sudden we're able to reconnect with him because he's holy. And now because of Christ, we can be holy so we can reconnect what do I need to do acknowledge that I sinned agree with who the Bible says he is and what the Bible says he did for us 
we say in Christian circles, have faith in it. But it starts with you agreeing with it and then start to depend on it being true and commit to following Him through obeying the Scriptures. We just call this, give your life to Christ. When we do this, our deep-seated desire is filled with unstoppable joy. For those of you who testified about the joy of your salvation, you think back of that. Is there any difference between how you feel right now about your salvation than the day you felt it that day? If there, you need to run back into the Father's embrace and go and get joy again in the knowledge that you are saved, you are led, you are loved. Finally, if you do this, you're really heeding the Father's call. Say, come back to my joy. Come back to my fortress of safety. Come back to my protection. Let me cover you. I will restore you. I will overcome everything that is against you and lead you in a triumphant procession over it. You'll be more than an overcomer. What's more than an overcomer? It's the one who overcame, who ever, it's the one who overcame without having to fight. That's what we are in Christ. We are more than overcomers. We walk in the victory. We didn't lift a finger. God is saying today, let me save you. Not just that, let me lead you. Let me love you. And you will have unstoppable joy. It doesn't say that your circumstances will change. It doesn't say that that, that, that everything will just all of a sudden be, you know, smooth sailing. No, it says that you will overcome everything because you're in my fortress of safety. You're in my joy. I want us to spend some time today in just in, in prayerful contemplation together, yeah, just right there where you are, can you close your eyes and just, just ask yourself, where is your joy at? And what have you based your joy on? And even if you find yourself being so joyful right now, you need to still see whether it's just because life's good right now that you're joyful, whether it's truly because you stand in your walk, you stand in that place of joy of your salvation. That's what you base it on. Your relationship with God means more to you than any good thing that's currently going on in your life. Because if you're not, you're still vulnerable. Life just hasn't hit you yet. Life just hits us, it does. But you will protect yourself by making sure that you pray this prayer today. If you're a Christian and you've given your life to Jesus before, you just pray this prayer right there where you are. Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Think of that day you were saved or just the realization that you are saved that you are led, that you are loved. And elevate that in priority, in value, and importance 
above everything else that's going on in your life. And as you hold that as higher value, nothing else that happens below it can steal that because that's what your joy is based in. And for those of you who have never given your life to Christ, and you are ready to come into the Father's fortress of safety and receive His unstoppable joy by reconnecting with Him. Right there where you are, you don't even have to do this quietly. Uh, sorry, uh, out loud. You can do this under your breath quietly or you can just do it in your heart of hearts. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And I want you to pray and, 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 and let this decision that you're going to make in this prayer, let it be truth to you. If this is truth to you, today will be your day of salvation. Today will be the day that you reconnect back with God and you are received back into the family of God, become a child of God and start the journey of walking with Jesus in this relationship. You just pray this prayer after me. God, I admit that I've sinned and thus I know that I'm separated from you and fall short of your moral standards. But I also believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins 2,000 years ago. I believe that. I identify with that truth, Lord. And I believe that you raised him from the dead and that he is alive and in heaven with you right now. And so I'm asking you to please forgive me of my sin. Lord, I am sorry I disobeyed you. I accept you today as my Savior, as my Lord and my God, and I commit to obey you to the best of my ability. Lord, please help me to love you and serve you and obey you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. If you meant that prayer and decided today to start following God through Jesus, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day that he declares you holy, that he declares you saved, that he declares you a son and a daughter of God. Today is the day that all your mistakes of the past are forgiven. Today is the day that your slate is wiped clean. You get a fresh start. Today is the day, first day of the rest of your life with God. Heaven rejoices. I rejoice with you if you made that decision. And we, we rejoice with you. But here's the thing. We also want you to know that we're inviting you to walk with us in this journey. Let us know by taking one of these cards and just writing on it, I made a decision today to commit my life to Jesus. I commit that we will meet with you and tell you what comes next. How do I walk next? What do I do from here to build this relationship that I just started with God? Father, thank you for your joy, your unstoppable joy that is detached from anything that happens on earth, that is a constant no matter what we're going through, that is a fortress that protects us no matter what we go through. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.